0: On the throw to first base, and the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. We're where you want to be. Baseball with the Royals. Welcome into the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Roland Stiles. This is the first ever Lockdown Royals podcast, and today we have a jam-packed show for you. We're gonna discuss the winter meetings, we're gonna we're gonna discuss with Merrifield, Michael Franco, Mike Matheny, and Ryan O'Hearn. Huge show today, but first you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. that's at R Y L A N underscore S T I L E S. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnRoyals Royals for all your Kansas City Royals updates and show updates. This show in the offseason will be two to three times a week, depending on how the news works. Once spring training gets here, it'll be every single day. So a couple weeks here of just one to two shows, and then we're ready for spring training. I believe spring training opening day is like February 26th or something like that. It's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. The first topic for today I want to discuss is Michael Franco. A 27-year-old who fell out of favor in Philadelphia... And is now looking to resurge his career. He has a ton of upside. He's a guy that once looked like a promising power hitter. A guy that once looked like he could be a mainstay in a lineup for a long time. A guy who for his career averages 25 home runs and 85 RBIs. I like this addition. Michael Franco has Kaufman pop. And you're going to hear that a lot throughout this The life of this podcast, Kauffman Power. It means he's a guy who can consistently hit home runs at Kauffman Stadium. There's not very many of them, but the juice he has off his bat is Kauffman Power. If he can find his way in Kansas City, he has the potential. He has the power power level to be a consistent home run hitter in Kansas City, which is again extremely hard to do. Look at the home run record books, folks. Not a lot of people can do it. So from that standpoint, it's good. You add him to a lineup of Dozier, Soler, Perez, Gordon probably going to get re-signed, I think. Spoiler alert. Whit Merrifield. You add him to that, to that lineup, and you've got a competitive lineup on your hands. I love the move. One-year deal, $3 million. There's no such thing as a bad one-year deal, it gets even better when it's only $3 million. This season, his projections are 20 home runs, 62 RBIs, a 303 on base percentage. I think he goes past those projections. I think that, that this season for Michael Franco goes one of two ways. He lights the world on fire. He's rejuvenated. A change of scenery does him well. He fits in the AL a lot better than the NL. And he gets straight at the deadline. He gets straight at the deadline. Someone makes a, a great offer for him. They need him to, to make that push because a lot of teams around baseball think that this is their year to win. Look at the winter meetings. You have the White Sox revamping their entire roster. The Rangers trying to get in on, on any action that they can get in on. The Angels throwing money out there. You have a lot of teams that did not win last year trying to get a seat at the table, trying to get into the playoffs. And with more teams thinking that they're so close to winning, comes more teams at the deadline thinking that they can make a move to make that last second push, to make that second half push. And Michael Franco enters the chat. That's one option for this season for Michael Franco. Another option is I think he's a good player. I think he's he has a good season, good 25-30 home run season, a better average than expected couple more ribbies than expected. But he he stays on the team the whole year. Doesn't get traded. And then the Royals re-sign him. And he's going to be their mainstay third baseman for a couple of years. All off of a one-year, $3 million deal. I love this deal so much. I don't see how this deal goes south. And if I'm wrong, if he's terrible, if he can't hit, if that upside never comes to fruition... You're out $3 million. So what? So what? You move Hunter Dozier back to third base because he's going to be playing a corner out, outfield spot now because you're not putting Soler in the field. He's staying at DH. You're not putting Franco in the outfield. He's put he's going to stay put at third. So you're going to put Dozier out there in the corner outfield. So if, if if Franco doesn't work out, go ahead and move Dozier back to third base. I feel more comfortable with him there anyway. Now, I don't think Dozier is going to blow games in the outfield. I don't think he'll be a liability. I think in the outfield, in the field, he will be a replacement-level player, which is fine. That's fine. He's not going to lose you games. And And you'll take that with the bat that he's going to provide this year. And again, slowly this team is becoming a competitive lineup. I'll talk about this more as the show goes on. I think that the Royals this year, depending on the moves they make between now and March 26th, can put together a team that looks a lot like the Rangers from last year. The Rangers last year were were always in the mix, about five games out of that wildcard spot. Every time you check the standings, there were the Rangers, five games out, three games out. Holy crap, they've got the wildcard spot, and then they lose it. Five games out. Five games out. Were they truly competing? No. And and they didn't make any moves, to tell you differently, in, in season. But they were there. They were getting good experience. They were in a race. And that was good for those young players on that roster. I think that with a few more moves, this Royals team put themselves in position to be the Rangers of last year. Hang around that top half of the wildcard chase. Hang around, hang around, hang around. And in the last two months, you'll fall out. But throughout the way, you were in that race. You were were in that chase for that wildcard spot. And the Franco edition does a lot to help that. This lineup is is a good one. You have Whit Merrifield, Franco, Salvador Perez, Hunter Dozier. I like where this lineup is heading. Pitching still needs a lot of work. Let's talk Whit Merrifield. The Royals and Whit Merrifield have constantly been thrown around in rumors of, of trading Whit Merrifield. And the Royals and Dayton Moore have constantly said, no, we're not trading wit. These are just rumors. They've constantly put them to bed. In the winter meetings, the Cubs made a huge push for him. And they've been chasing him for two years now. The Padres made an even bigger push for him. Willing to ship back Will Myers, who was once the Royals' top prospect that they traded away, of course, for Wade Davis and James Shields. We know how that ended up. A World Series, thank you very much. They're not The Royals are not taking back that contract in Will Myers to get rid of Whit Merrifield, who's a controllable guy under a team-friendly contract. And the, and the Padres wouldn't necessarily give up a boatload of prospects either while, while the Royals take back that Will Myers contract. There's no way. I don't see a trade on the table that suggests Dayton Moore will, will give away Whit Merrifield. He would have to get blown away by A trade to give up Whit Merrifield. I think you can feel comfortable buying a number 15 jersey for the Chiefs and a number 15 jersey for the Royals. I think the number 15s are here to stay in Kansas City. I think Whit Merrifield, if they do this rebuild right, if they do it in a timely manner, I think Whit Merrifield will be on the Royals the next time they're competitive and truly competitive. Now, making the playoffs is hard to do in, in baseball. There's so much that has to go your way in the season. There's so many ways the ball has to bounce to go your way in the season. But the next time the Royals feel like they're in, the, in they're making a push. The next time that their that their front office is making moves to get to the playoffs, I think what Merrifield will be front and center of that lineup. So I don't think he's gonna get traded this year. I think he will play. I think he will play center field this year. I think you're gonna have Gordon in left. I think you're gonna have Dozier in right. And Merrifield in the center. And then, of course, Frank, uh, Franco at third base, Mondesi at short, Nicky Lopez at second, and then Ryan O'Hearn at first, Celera Perez at catcher, and so on and so forth. I don't see them trading with Merrifield this year. Now, if you get to the last year of this deal with Merrifield, and you're still not ready to win baseball games, which would be a huge disappointment, or even if you get to the second to last year of this deal, and you still don't feel like you can win games, and you don't even see a way to win games, maybe you trade him at the deadline. Maybe you trade him at the deadline. But before this season, before the season even starts, you're not trading him. You're not trading him. I feel comfortable with this team. I feel confident in this team's ability to rebuild, which is something that you can't say about this front office very often. But nonetheless, they're not trading with Merrifield. I don't think that these rumors are true at all. I don't think that they'll be true at all. You'll hear it around the trade deadline yet again, and we'll address it at that point. But for right now, Whit Merrifield's here to stay. Lastly, I want to discuss Mike Matheny. He, He was a controversial hire. I was against it. If you follow me on Twitter back then, you'll see. I did not like the hire at all. It was an uninspired hire to me. It was the easy way out. It was the most royal thing to do. And they left a lot of good candidates on the table. One being Pedro Fall. I would have loved to see Pedro Fall get that opportunity. Instead, they went with Mike Matheny. Now, since being hired, Mike Matheny has said all the right things. He's spoken to the media the right way. He has done everything he needed to do to win over the Royals fans. Now, if you remember his time in St. Louis, you'll remember that he had a falling out with that clubhouse, specifically the younger players in that clubhouse. He's been a advisor for the Royals for the last season, maybe two, I don't remember exactly, but for at least the last season, he's been an advisor for the Royals, under Ned Yost, under Dayton Moore, under this entire organization, roaming around with young players in the minor leagues, talking with them once they got up to the big leagues, One guy he raved about was Ryan O'Hearn. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, I've been very high on O'Hearn. I was also very high on Frank Schwindel. We saw how that turned out. But I've been very high on Ryan O'Hearn. And Mike Matheny has said he's been hands-on with him. Him and Dozier's been hands-on with. He's he's tried to get them over that hump, and he thinks that Ryan O'Hearn is due for a huge year. He thinks that Ryan O'Hearn is due for a year like Hunter Dozier had last year. Now, why is that significant? If it's true that Mike Matheny has been doing all he can to help these young guys in O'Hearn, in Dozier, and Mondesi, and they all do seem to like him. Outwardly, they seem to really enjoy Mike Matheny's company. They seem to really enjoy his coaching style. They seem to really enjoy his approach. If that's all true, and if him raving about Ryan O'Hearn is true, not that if if, if, if O'Hearn becomes an all-star, not that... Not if O'Hearn becomes even a good ball player. Not that. If they have a good relationship, if O'Hearn has a good relationship with him, if Dozier, Mondesi, Lopez, if they have good relationships with Mike Matheny, that's a huge deal for the Royals. Because again, he his fallout in St. Louis did not come because of losing. They were still a winning ball club. It came because the, the clubhouse turned on him. The clubhouse, the players, the organization turned on him. And Dayton Moore, you can say whatever you want about his GM style. You can say whatever you want about him. But he's done a great job with this organization and not getting them into a lot of drama. Not getting them into a lot of headlines in terms of there's fights. There's guys not respecting the manager. There's guys not respecting the organization. So for him to sign off on this Mike Matheny hire... For him to make this choice tells me that he's seen enough from Mike Matheny to say he's changed his ways. And everything that we've been presented so far has been so. So praising Ryan O'Hearn, while it seems innocent, while it seems like something on the outside that, duh, you're not going to talk bad about your players. You're not going to say that they suck. You're not going to say that Ryan O'Hearn a lost cause. It, it goes deeper than that because it's, it, it, is in line with everything that the players have said about him and that he has been trying to change about himself. If he can have a relationship with these young players who we expect to be a part of this team the next time you see playoff baseball at Kauffman Stadium, O'Hearn, Dozier, Mondesi, Lopez, Khalil Lee, if, if he can get relationships with all these guys, then maybe he is the guy for the future. Maybe I'm wrong about thinking that he's a stopgap manager. Maybe I'm wrong in thinking that he's the guy that's going to be uprooted by the next hotshot manager that comes along whenever the team wants to win again. Maybe I'm wrong in thinking he's just the steady hand that guides the ship right now. I hope he is changing his ways. I hope he is. But... It's been a good sign so far, and you know if you follow me on Twitter again, I hate the praise Mike Matheny because I think that this was a terrible hire, but he's he's winning me over day by day. He's winning me over press conference by press conference. One more thing I wanted to end with regarding the whole winter meetings was the Rule 5 draft and Salvador Perez, so I guess two more things. First of all, in, in an interview with Dayton Moore at the winter meetings, he said Salvador Perez will... Likely see more time at first base this year as he recovers from Tommy John surgery. I wonder how, how much more Salvador Perez can take at the catcher spot. Even when, when Soto Perez was an elite catcher, he got beat up a ton. Bats hitting him left and right. Balls hitting him left and right. He was a gritty catcher. So many times in that playoff run in 15-14, and 14, you saw him get nicked up in games. He took a beating for years behind the plate. How much longer can he last at the catcher spot before he makes that transition, as Joe Mauer did, to, to be a first baseman? Now, the Royals didn't take care of him whenever he was a catcher. They didn't give him enough days at first base because they had Eric Hosmer. Now you have Ryan O'Hearn, which is easier to take him out of the lineup than it was Eric Hosmer. That's not Hosmer's fault, but nonetheless, he didn't get that benefit. So when is he going to need to make that transition to first base? Because my thing is, he just had Tommy John surgery. If Salvador Perez does not have an elite arm anymore... Now, granted, a lot of times players get better after Tommy John surgery. In terms of their arm, they get better. They they, they become a better thrower after Tommy John surgery, at least for pitchers. So it's not a sure thing that his arm falls off after Tommy John. But let's just say, hypothetically... It slows down a bit. He's no longer elite at gunning down runners. As time wears on him, he's no longer elite at pop time to go get runners, popping out of his stance and throwing the ball down down the diamond. If he falls off at all in nabbing runners, if his steal if his steal percentage on him goes up, he's no longer a good catcher in baseball. He's barely, barely in that good section of baseball as, as a catcher due to how weak the position is. He can't frame pitches. He doesn't call a particularly good game. The biggest thing, though, is to frame pitches. He, he's terrible at framing pitches, and he has been since the day he entered the league. When you can't do those things as a catcher, your value goes down and down and down. And I know he's a fan favorite. He's, he's a great guy, a great human, a good player. But if he can't gun runners out in the, at an elite rate anymore, he might need to become a first baseman or a DH because he's never been a particularly good catcher in terms of again framing pitches, calling a good game, working the umpires. And if if he can't do the one thing he's been elite at, then we have some we have some issues here. I think it'll be alright. I think that they'll find a, a place for him again. It's a lot easier taking Ryan O'Hearn out of your lineup than it is to take Eric Hosmer out. It's a lot easier to put him at DH and give Soler a day off than it was to give Kendrys Morales a day off in, in, that, in those critical runs that they had. Billy Butler, another guy that was a mainstay at DH. The main thing, though, is I think he's going to be a first baseman here pretty soon. Maybe not this year. Maybe not the year after, but pretty soon his days at catcher are numbered because the position beats you up. It's the same way for anyone. Like I said, Joe Maurer's a guy who's transitioned into a first baseman. Buster Posey plays more first base now than he ever has. That's just the nature of the beast of, of catcher. You have to transition at some point, and if that arm goes, he'll go. One last thing, the Royals drafted Stephen Woods Jr. from the Tampa Bay Rays in the Rule 5 draft. Now, what does this mean? The Rule 5 draft means that the player you take must stay on your active roster the entire season. Game 1 to 162. If he's not on your roster, if you send him down, he gets returned to the team you drafted him from. In this case, if they send down Woods, he'll be returned to Tampa Bay. He was the fourth pick in the Rule 5 draft. He must stay on the 26-man roster. Now, here's why I think this is a, a good move. The, the, you know, is is he ready? The 24 year old is he ready for MLB action? Is he ready to be a bullpen arm in the in the major league baseball at 24 years old? Probably not. He's surely not ready to be a starter, but he has good stuff. He he has a lot of good pitches. Has a good pitch mix, and the Rays couldn't protect him. So you nab him. You nab him. And now that the roster is is expanded to, 20, to 26 men, have a 26 man roster now. This is a great move. You can hide him in that bullpen. And oh yeah, you're still not trying to compete yet. You're not ready to win games yet. So what's the harm in taking a chance on Steven Woods? That's all I got on that. I think it's a great pickup by the Royals to draft him. I think that he'll be a guy that surprises kind of like Brad Keller. But that's all we got today for the first show of the Lockdown Royals podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get podcasts from. Leave a review anywhere you get podcasts from. My favorite is Apple Podcasts, so if you can go over there, give a five-star review. Thank you very much. This was the first ever show, so let me know what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it. I'm recovering from a, from a cold right now, so if you can bear with me there, that'd be great. Again, follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. I always talk sports over there, the Chiefs, the Royals, whatever it may be. I would love to interact with y'all over there. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Perfect way to stay up to date with when the shows come out, especially in the off season. When it's only two to three shows a week. Not really a set schedule. We're going to try to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but news could break at different days. That makes me want to record a, a huge podcast. you are going to get one more show this week as we celebrate New Year's and whatnot. At the end of the decade, we're going to do an all-decade Royals team and also talk about the White Sox in that episode. The White Sox have made a ton of moves, a ton, a ton of moves this offseason. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it very much. Be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you next time on the Locked On Royals Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day.